Seal to my right. We've got one for ages three and up and one for ages seven and up. So be sure to grab that. That's all under that info tab there under our website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com as well as our prayer list is there. We encourage you to take that and download that and be praying through that uh, each week as it gets updated uh, each week. But we just want to welcome each person that's here this morning. We know we have a lot that are sick, a lot that are out, some that are away uh, visiting family. So uh, keep all of those individuals in your prayer. We'll share with some. Uh, some with you later at the end of the service. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our hymn. Happy New Year's Eve, all. If your feet aren't warm from that last song, you're asleep. So let's keep, the, keep your feet warm and keep your, uh, your vocals warmed up by singing with us, Tell the Good News 566. Join the choir. Let's stand. Christ was born in a distant land. Tell the good news, tell the good news. Lived on earth for the good of man. Tell the good news, tell the good news. Tell the good news, tell the good news. Tell the good news that Christ has come. Tell the good news, tell the good news. The good news to everyone. Christ became a man on earth. Tell the good news, tell the good news. Gave his life for man's rebirth. good news and that's what our missionaries are doing you'll find in your bulletin our missionaries of the week randy and kimberly windham uh, they are serving in zambia uh, they have several things that they are doing there through some steps their first step is uh, seeking to get access to share uh, the gospel uh, with people by getting entry into those uh, various communities uh, step two teaches christians how to share the gospel by using a stick uh, in the dirt and sharing the gospel uh, through that means and then third is discipleship uh, as that continues the work there and then the final step is to grow into a healthy group and eventually uh, to form a church and so we want to encourage you to be praying for our missionaries and especially our missionaries of the week but we also want to encourage you to be praying for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes to support those international missionaries and we want to share one more brief video with you about impact, impacting lostness together the voices of the hurting we sense it in the brokenness of the world around us. Lostness is a blindness to the promise and hope of the gospel that leads to eternal separation from the Father. The world's greatest problem is lostness, and it's growing every day. Eight billion people living in 195 countries, 
speaking over 7,000 languages. Today, more than half have yet to hear the good news of the gospel. The vision God gives us in Revelation 7-9, a multitude from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, fuels our desire to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But we must be willing to go further than we've ever gone before, to the very edges of lostness, where more than 3,000 people groups have no missionary presence and likely no access to the gospel. No one is engaging them. Together, we can change that. We know the love and hope and peace of the gospel. We know the way, the truth, and the life. We know the power of true redemption. We will not ignore lostness. We will not be silent. We will not stand still. From the Great Commission until the Great Multitude, we must unite in this great pursuit to reach every nation, no matter the cost. Thousand people groups with no access to the gospel, and we can make a difference right here from Tullahoma as we join with Southern Baptist churches all across this nation in giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes to support those missionaries uh, sharing there on our behalf. So I encourage you, if you have not given yet, uh, to be praying about that. Uh, you can do your giving there uh, online by going to HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Easy platform there for you to set up, as well as to do your Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You can do that uh, by the envelopes that are in your pews. Uh, as well as the Lottie Moon Christmas offering envelopes that are in the windowsill. So let's go to the Lord in prayer <clears throat> for our missionaries this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for people like Randy and Kimberly Wyndham who are serving in Zambia, seeking to share the gospel uh, with people there who may have never heard uh, the gospel, seeking there to train uh, those believers and to disciple them so they can share uh, the gospel, even with forms like a stick in the sand. And Father, I just pray that uh, you will use all those various opportunities that you give them, open many more opportunities for them to share the gospel. But Lord, I pray for all of our missionaries that you'll provide for all of their needs, uh, place a hedge of protection about them, uh, provide for their financial needs and the ministries that they are doing. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us us, that we might be a blessing to them, uh, that they might be a blessing to the world. Father, we just pray that you will bless this offering uh, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Father, I pray that you'll bless all of those missionaries that it will touch. Help us, Lord, to realize that each and every Sunday that we give, we're supporting missionaries, but this is a special offering, uh, Lord, that goes 100% to the mission field. So, Father, we ask your blessings on this offering. We ask, Lord, that it will go forth and that your gospel will go forth and make an impact and a difference in people's lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives and in and through through our church. We just ask your blessings upon all of those missionaries. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, so I've already mentioned there about our offering, so be sure to, to take the time uh, to do that. Uh, we just want to remind you, and you'll hear this again at the end of the service also, uh, we will not have services tonight. Uh, with New Year's Day being tomorrow, so uh, we want to wish you a happy New Year's uh, today uh, and also encourage you to spend that time with your families uh, this evening. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you take the name of Jesus with you everywhere you go. Join us in song as we sing 576, Take the Name of Jesus with You. Yeah. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, how sweet. Hold the word and joy of heaven. Precious name.
Children's Church, children will be gathering over here on the piano side. Join with us now and stand with us as we sing 571. 571. Let others see Jesus in you. Let 
Christ, both day and night. Be faithful, be brave and true, and lead the lost to life and light. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. Take your Bibles, if you will, this morning. We are back to our message series in the life of Jesus. And I've entitled this message this morning, Do You Have Any Fish? Do you have any fish with you this morning? Nobody has any fish with you? You'll find out what that means as we get into the message here this morning. And hopefully you do have some fish that we're going to be talking about here. John chapter 21, verse 1 through verse 14. We're going to begin with verse 1 through verse 5. So if you would, let's stand as you read God's Word in honor of His Word. John 21, verse 1 through verse 5. After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. Father, we thank you for where we are in the life of Jesus, that as we come to the end of a year and the beginning of a new one, Father, I pray that you would stir within our hearts the urgency with which we ought to live as believers, knowing, Lord, that our life could end at any moment. Uh, anything could happen to us by some disease or some ailment or some accident or, or whatever it may be. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize life is brief and life is short, and we need to make the most of every moment that we have. Father, I pray also that you would help us to look forward uh, to a new year and the opportunities uh, that you have set before us. Lord, we don't know where exactly where you're leading us in the next year, but we know, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for us as individuals, as Christians, as a church. And Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us in all that you would have us to do, reaching every person you would have us to reach, making the most of every opportunity that you lay before us. So bless your word this morning. And Father, I pray that we would understand that we need to be fishers of men. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. When we read those verses there in verse 1 through verse 5 and even the following verses, it's almost like deja vu, if you will. You know, deja vu means something already seen or something overly or unpleasantly familiar. And notice something interesting as we come to this passage. Everything seems familiar to us. It's almost like, wait a minute, haven't we read this before somewhere? If you go back in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 3 through verse 8, or actually verse 4 through verse 8, it says, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all the night and took nothing. So there was a case there where they had been fishing and they had caught 
nothing. But he said, Peter did, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners uh, in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now notice the comparison with Luke's gospel there and what happened years ago in, in their lives and with, the, with Jesus. Uh, and we see here the comparison with John 21. It's the same place. It's the Sea of Galilee. It's the same people, the same disciples, the same profession, fishing, uh, with the same payoff, no fish. Uh, here in, in Luke's gospel, they had been fishing all night and they had caught nothing. Peter said, let's go fishing, guys. The guys said, yeah, we want to go with you. And they hadn't caught any fish when Jesus asked them there uh, in verse 5. There's only one difference in the latter experience and the former one. And that difference is, is that time has passed. In fact, three and a half years of time has transpired from when Luke's gospel shares with us there about that miracle and this miracle here in John chapter 21. You know, after the death of Jesus on the cross, Simon Peter had gone back to his nets, back to his fishing. I mean, think of just what had happened to Peter because of his relationship to Jesus. I mean, he had changed from being a regular fisherman uh, of fish to being a fisherman of men. Uh, he had learned from Jesus that it was a blessing and that it was his duty to leave the nets, to leave his livelihood, his job that he had had all his life, and to fish for souls. But now after Jesus' death and his resurrection, he's even already seen Jesus at this point. We find out that he regresses. He goes back to the nets, back to the boats, back to the sea. Peter here knew he had a place to belong. He knew he had a purpose to accomplish. But he goes back to where he had started. So Peter here looks back to his former life. And that leads him back to the fishing boat. You know, when you read all through the Bible, you see that emphasis of always looking back. When Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt, what are they always doing? They're always looking back to Egypt, and they're saying, that's where we should have been. Why'd you bring us out here in this wilderness to die? And so, uh, you see, they were always looking back. Here are the disciples now. Uh, Jesus has, has, has died on the cross. He's been resurrected, but they're wondering, what do we do now? Uh, Jesus hasn't yet at this point given them the Great Commission. And so they know they are to have a purpose, but all they know is the life they used to have. You know, so often that's what we do. Uh, we, we get on fire for the Lord. We, we, we begin a relationship with Him. And then somewhere along the way, we start looking back to the way things were, to where we were comfortable in our sin. And we find ourselves going back to the old ways. Paul tells us we don't have to go back and to be bound in that sin anymore. But notice with uh, this statement in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, here was Peter uh, who was acting selfishly. Uh, he was doing what he wanted instead of what God wanted him to do. In fact, what we see about Peter is that he is discouraged. He goes back to what is comfortable uh, and he's doing uh, what he wanted. He is almost ready to quit ready to throw in the towel. But Jesus is about to remind him not to quit when the going gets tough. Jesus had said to him in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And with that one statement to his first followers, Jesus was telling those disciples and he was telling us what our great purpose is, is that we are to continuously be going to fish for souls, fishing for men. With that one statement, we know that Jesus wants his followers to be in the fishing business. With that one statement, we know that Jesus wants his followers to be fishing with him. 
Now, we come to here in chapter 21, and this is what we would call the epilogue. It's the conclusion of the book, of this gospel. And John wants us to see and to learn three things at the close of his gospel that will help us to reach others for Jesus. I want you to see, first of all here, a gracious encounter in verses 1 through verse 3. We've already read those verses, so we won't read through them exactly uh, again. But at first glance, it seems as if this story is about fish and bread. But when you look a little bit deeper, uh, we see that the Lord is actually serving up a double portion of mercy and grace. Because in this encounter here, we can see uh, that the same grace that saved these men is now seeking them out again uh, for sanctification, for setting them apart for, for God's kingdom work and for His service. And so notice here where He sought them. So verse 21 uh, began to tell us there that Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias. Uh, of the 11 disciples, seven of them are, are back to fishing. Five of them here are named in one way or another. We find out that there's two of them, but we don't know what their names are. They're anonymous, but they're fishing. So think about it. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's appeared in the flesh. He, he gives an assignment, and they're fishing. Leon Morris says in his commentary, he calls these uncertain days for the apostles. They're stuck between the resurrection and Pentecost, and they seem to be drifting in their lives, not only on the Sea of Galilee, but also on the Sea of Life. And now it would be easier uh, to say uh, there, there's nothing sinful about that. Every, even saved people have to eat, and this, uh, this text reveals that. But in fact, following his resurrection, Jesus had told them to go back to Galilee. That's what Tiberias is. Uh, Tiberias is there on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Matthew chapter 28 verse 16 records Jesus had told them to wait for him on a mountain in Galilee. Uh, and so they were partially doing what Jesus had told them. But did you know that do, partially doing what the Lord tells us in his word is not complete, total obedience. They, aren't they here aren't living in complete rebellion, but they needed to learn this valuable lesson, that partial obedience isn't total obedience. Something had happened in their lives uh, so that now when Jesus speaks, they don't know his voice. And Jesus shows up and they don't recognize his face. But thankfully, Jesus shows grace and moves in grace anyway. You know, grace is always in spite of. Listen to that again. Whenever God moves in grace, it's always in spite of, not because of. When these men were not where they were supposed to be, Jesus comes looking for them. You know, there are some of us who are here this morning that we're not where we're supposed to be. We're going about life doing whatever we want to do, doing our own agenda, living uh, life with our goals and our purposes in mind, instead of seeking, Lord, what would you have me to be doing? We're not where the Lord wants us to be. And, and so we find out here uh, that it, when, when these men were not where they were supposed to be, Jesus comes looking for them, and that's the same today. He is looking for you this morning to come back to him, to follow him, to be in the center of his will. You know, I'm glad that Jesus speaks in spite of times that I haven't listened. I'm glad that he leads me in spite of times that I haven't followed. And I'm glad that he shows up in spite of times when I haven't been looking for him. Some say that there's no way these men who had seen the risen Savior Jesus would drift back to their old way of living. But I'll tell you, that's so often the picture of our own lives. All too often, we can readily relate to the hymn writer and our soul cries out, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. 
And that's why I'm thankful that the Good Shepherd is still in the business of leaving the 99 sheep to scope out the countryside looking for that one that is strayed. Now, you may even be here today because in spite of you, the Holy Ghost has been graciously seeking and drawing you home. In fact, I would dare to say this this morning, that you are here because God brought you here. It's not by accident. It's not by happenstance. God has you here this morning for a reason. And so we see first where he sought them. And then we see what he showed them. Look again at verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And then we see that Jesus uh, reveals himself to them, shows himself to them. You know, the word revealed or manifested speaks of revelation. Uh, it's used in the Bible to describe the unveiling of something hidden and the disclosure of something unknown. The same word is used in, in John chapter 2 and verse 11. And so it says in verse 11 uh, of John chapter 2, this is the first sign of his signs. Jesus did at Canaan in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. He also used it in verse 14 that we see here uh, in these verses where he says this is now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 1 had said that. He revealed himself. And, and so that same word is used here uh, in verse 4. Uh, they didn't know that it was Jesus, but then in verse 7, John tells Peter, it's the Lord. So in a moment of what appears to be drifting and apathy, uh, what we see here is Jesus knows exactly what they needed. Uh, they didn't need a lecture, which we do sometimes need a lecture. I, I know with my kids, that, if they ever got in trouble, that was one of the worst things they hated was for me to have a talk with them because that was going to be 30, 45 minutes of a talk with them. Oh, gosh, Dad, just give me the whipping. I don't want the talk. <laughs> But these guys, they didn't need that, although sometimes we do need that. They didn't need a sermon, even though we always need the Word of God. They didn't need a, a series of sermons on faithfulness, though that never hurts. What they needed was a fresh showing up, a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Well, what we really need is for Jesus to show up today. We need him to show off. We need him to show out, to show himself. We need to pray and to experience the request of Moses that he prayed in the Old Testament. Lord, show me your glory. That ought to be our prayer every day of our lives. Lord, show me your glory. And when we behold him, will truly see his glory and will declare that's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So first is the gracious encounter. But then notice there is a great example when you come down to verse 4 through verse 8. Verse 4 begins and says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore... Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. That's where we stopped a moment ago, but let's look on to verse 6. Verse 6 says, Jesus said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now think about it. Jesus, in his occupation of any kind of job he ever did, was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. In fact, that was brought out when you go back to Luke's gospel and you see that account. So, so Jesus is telling them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to drop down your nets on the other side of the boat. And when you do it, when you drop them down on the right side of the boat, you'll find some fish. Now think about that for just a moment. What's the difference from the left side of the boat and the right side of the boat? It's the same sea. It's the same water. It's the same fish. The difference is what Jesus told them to do. 
and they were obedient to what Jesus said to do. So, so you may be looking at life and you may be thinking, what's the difference between doing this and doing that? It's doing what Jesus says for us to do. And so notice as we go on in the verses here, he tells them to cast on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Jesus wasn't a fisherman by trade, but he knew where the fish were and he put the fish in the net when they cast the nets down when they obeyed. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, poof, light bulb comes on, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. About a football field's land away from the shore. John chapter 20 and verse 31, John had written this in his gospel and said, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That means that something in this final private miracle that showed them and us why we desperately need the Lord Jesus, something is there to show us that. And one of the things he shows them is that we can do nothing without him. We can do nothing without him. That's what you see in verse 4 and verse 5 there. Now, maybe they needed to be reminded here of a lesson he had taught them before his death. John chapter 15 and verse 5 says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, whoever abides in me and, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Not a single one of us can do anything uh, that amounts to anything without him. And so that word nothing appears at the end of verse 3. Remember, they had caught nothing. And now we're reminded here that it's not apart from me, you can't do much, but apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Zip, nada, nothing, zilch. And notice that it's not that we can't do anything at all. It's that we can't do anything effective. And so these disciples, they were doing something. They were straining. They were working. They were sweating as they were putting those nets into the sea and pulling them up every time and having to clean seaweeds out of them and, and all kinds of other things that maybe they were catching in the nets when they weren't catching those fish and they were getting tired from not catching fish. You ever been fishing before and you don't catch anything? You're discouraged. You're ready to quit. You're ready to give up. And that's where these disciples were. They were straining. They were working. They were sweating. But the one thing they couldn't do is the only thing they were trying to do, get fish. Understand this, that without the power of Jesus, nothing that we can do will ever please him. You can try to do all the good philanthropic things that you want to do in this life to be a good person, but none of that, none of your works will please the Father in heaven. It's what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross uh, in, in putting himself on the cross in your place, his crucifixion, him paying the sin debt that you owed, and his resurrection from the grave to give you eternal life. You know, sometimes God lets things happen in our lives that we can't control. And he does that to teach us that there are simply things we can't control. And you've never known frustration and fatigue when you try to serve Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. You see that in churches all across the nation and the world. People who are, who are trying to do a lot of things, and they're good things, but they're doing it in their own strength. They're doing it without the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling them and leading them and guiding them. Adrian Rogers said, if the devil can't get you to do evil in the flesh, he'll try to get you to do good 
in the flesh. Think about that. Those kids you're trying to raise. That marriage you're trying to save. That habit or that addiction that you're trying to win, uh, that you're trying to kick. The person that you're trying to win to Christ. That verse that you're trying to memorize. It may be difficult with the Lord's help, but it's impossible without his help. We can do nothing without him. But here's the other thing he wants to teach them in this, is that we can do anything with him. Uh, look again at verse 6 down through verse 8 when he tells them to cast the, the nets on the other side. In these verses, he's contrasting here human weakness and failure with divine power and success. Here's what we know to be true. We can do nothing without him, and he can do anything with us. But the truth is, he can do anything with or without us. I mean, think about the Great Commission. How can we do that? How many of you, how many languages are spoken here this morning? Maybe you know two languages, three languages at max that are represented here, maybe four languages at the most represented here this morning. How in the world can we reach the peoples of the nations when we don't even speak their language? Within a few days, here's Peter who's going to be pastoring a mega church that explodes overnight with 3,000 souls that are saved. He would do it in the power, though, of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, you remember, they encounter a lame man. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. He was giving them the gift of salvation, and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So let me say to you this morning, weary stay-at-home mom, or you can't, but he can. If you're a single mom here uh, living paycheck to paycheck, you can't, but he can. If you're here this morning, a husband or a wife, and in a crisis in your marriage, you can't, but he can. Some of you here this morning, you've had a great 2023, but 2024 is going to be one of those horrible years for you. I don't know who that is, and I don't know what your situation specifically is going to be. Some of you are headed into tough situations, maybe even this week, and you're going to say, I can't do this anymore. But here's what I want you to know. Yes, you can. With the help of heaven and the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of this miracle is an obvious identifier of Jesus. Thinking back to that miraculous catch back in Luke chapter 5, they realize that this is the calling card, if you will, of the Messiah. They realize that only Jesus could have done this. So when, when, when they cast those nets on the right side of the ship and those nets are filled with fish and they're trying to bring them up and it's beginning to sink the ships there, uh, understand this, it was the light bulb in their heart and their mind that came on that finally said, this is Jesus. Leon Morris said in his commentary, the risen Jesus is about to bring, uh, is, is about, to bring about something that fishermen, that these fishermen couldn't bring about. They, with all their knowledge and skill, had caught nothing. And he, with a word, brought about a miraculous catch. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. You can exhaust yourself in all of your efforts trying to invite your friends to Christ, trying to share the gospel with them, but without the Spirit of God working in their lives, you can do nothing. But he can do everything. The old gospel song said it best. I, can I, can't, I can't take a heart that's broken and make it over again. But I know a man who can. I can't take a soul that's that sin sick, uh, wash it whiter than snow. But I know a man who can. There's a gracious encounter. There's a great example but I want you to see finally here a glorious enablement. 
Notice in verse 9 through verse 14 the meal that Jesus prepares. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught, that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 fish. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good catch, isn't it? And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and dine. Come and have breakfast. You know, a lot of people try to read all kinds of meaning into, the, into numbers in the Bible. All sorts of bizarre theories uh, exist to explain the hidden meaning behind the number 153 fish. But let me give you the answer. The reason why there's 153 is because there were 152, but one more got into the net. That's it. Another question. Where did Jesus get his fish from? Where did he get the fish that he was already cooking? The answer is who knows? He's God. Here's one last miracle message to these men. I will provide everything you need. I want to say to you this morning as we end an old year and begin a new year, if you will trust in the Lord, He will provide everything you need. He, he's saying to you, I already know what you need. I already have it. Your only job is to obey me and watch me fix the meal. Now notice that the only thing they had to add to the meal was stuff that Jesus had already provided. Who got them? The fish in the net that Jesus says, go get some of those fish too? Jesus had. He had told them how to catch those fish. So, so it was Jesus who had already provided even more fish. Anything and everything uh, we ever give to Jesus is something he has first given to us. All the blessings you have are because of him. And so as we see here in this story the flickering fire, as we hear the, the sizzling pan-fried bread, as we smell the cooking of those Galilean fish, we're reminded, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, to me. And frankly, all I have given, his hand has provided too. There's a meal he provides, but notice there are men he prepares. When you read down through the rest of verse 12, it says, Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Verse 13 goes on to say that Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. What's that reminding us of? When, when he's there in that upper room and he breaks the bread to remind them of his body that's been given. So he breaks the bread and he gives it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So by the end of the meal, we can see here that Jesus wasn't really just making a meal he was making men. He was preparing men. And this final earthly miracle wasn't about something Jesus wanted to do for them. It was about something Jesus wanted to do in them that he might do a work through them. He wanted to empower them that he might use them. And that's what this entire meal with Jesus is all about. And so it is with the things in our life. The thing God is doing on your job is really about something in you. The thing that God is, is really doing at school, young people, is really about 
what God is wanting to do in you. The thing that God is doing in your finances is really about something in you. Verse 14 says this was his third appearance to the disciples. Again, revealed or manifested means he showed them something. Understand that when you meet Jesus, he wants to show you something too. He, it's not the, the china, it's not the silverware, it's not the tablecloth, it's not the napkins, it's not the meal. He wants to show you himself. He wants to show you yourself, and he wants to show you the difference between the two. And when you do meet with Jesus, you walk away realizing he is everything. And without him, I am nothing. I hope tomorrow... And every day when you wake up, that you realize a simple truth. I may be able to do this day without a meal, but I can't do this day without Jesus. Do you have any fish? I don't know, but for a few years, I think it was back in about 2019, back before COVID, we built this cross over here and we put some pegs in it with some little papers that say, who's your one? Have you been praying for those? I have. I have a list in my Bible of individuals that I've been praying for that would come to faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, there are some of these uh, bookmarks that are down here at the front. Uh, it's got a little place here that you can fold and tear off uh, that you can place in the offering plate. We want to put some more of those uh, on our cross and to replenish those. But I want to encourage you, do you have any fish? Because it's not about the fish out there in the water that this was all about. He had told them, I want you to be fishers of men. And so ultimately what he's asking us this morning is, do you have any fish? Have you shared the gospel with anybody? Have you led anybody to faith in Christ? Have you even just prayed for somebody? On the bottom of this bookmark is 30 days of prayer for those souls that you're praying for on this card. You can put it there as a bookmark in your Bible to remind you as you do your daily devotion, and I hope you do one every day, especially as you begin a new year, that may be a new, re new resolution for you. But I want to encourage you to take the time to do that, to pray for those individuals. They're right down here between uh, the offering plates. Be sure in this coming year that you are seeking every day not to go in your own strength, not to witness to this person in your own strength, but to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives, praying for the Holy Spirit to work in your life and to fill you. So that when you do come to the end of this life, and you're standing before the Father in heaven, and he says, do you have any fish? You can say, yes. Yes, here's my one. Who's your one? If you just led one person to Christ in this coming year, think about what that would do, not just to impact this church, but what it would do to impact our community, what it would do to impact our nation and even the world. Let me challenge you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this last meeting that Jesus has in this precious way to remind us, Lord, to answer that question ourselves. Do we have any fish? Is there anybody over this last year that I shared the gospel with? Is there anybody that I consistently prayed for to come to faith in Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be able to answer yes. Lord, I understand that we can't make those individuals become saved. That is a work of the Holy Spirit, and that's why we need you, Lord, because we can do nothing apart from you. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to be faithful to share the good news of the gospel. Lord, I pray that as we end this year today and we reflect back on all that we have done or maybe all that we haven't done, Lord, we would be stirred in our hearts to cry out to you, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. First and foremost, if there are those who are here who've never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, uh, Father, forgive me 
for not having trusted any sooner. Lord, I pray that I know I need Jesus as my Savior. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he was buried in the tomb, that he arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. And Father, I pray that if there is someone who's prayed something like that in their own hearts this morning, that they would come to begin this new year in a new relationship with you. Father, I pray that they would give their hearts to you and publicly profess that faith in Christ. But Lord, I dare say there are many of us who are here this morning as believers, and for whatever reason, over this last year, maybe we were discouraged. Maybe we were downtrodden in our heart. Maybe we were like Peter, ready to give up. And we just went back to what was comfortable instead of doing what you wanted us to do. Father, I pray every one of us here this morning as believers would be challenged in our hearts to seek our heart in our hearts, Lord, who is at least that one that I will commit to pray for, even if it's just for the next 30 days, that I'm going to pray for that individual for the next 30 days. Father, I pray we would make that commitment this morning. And Father, I pray that you would use that commitment and that obedience to begin to uplift people in our hearts before you and looking for those opportunities that you might give us to share. Lord, as the Holy Spirit works in their heart, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, Lord, may you do something we cannot do in and of ourselves. Father, I pray that you will be glorified, that the name of Jesus will be lifted up, and Father, I pray that you'll do great and mighty things that we couldn't even imagine here at Highland, here in Tullahoma, across this nation and around the world, in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation number 285, where he leads, I'll go. Will you do that this morning? Will you stand? Will you come this morning? Brother Mike, come and lead us. You can be seated for just a moment. Brother Stephen's going to come and share our announcements. Don't forget the cards are there if you want to get one of the Who's Your One cards to be praying for. Okay. Uh, as a reminder, no evening service tonight. Uh, make sure you spend that time with your family, loved ones. Um, got a few announcements. Please uh, pray over Myra Watson. Um, not long as she had cancer, she has uh, gotten pneumonia. Uh, Bill and Kagoff. Uh, Keep those in your prayers also. Um, 
Kay, of course, dealing with dementia, and Bill is now being diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. Um, they're friends of uh, Pastor Jim's from Charlotte area, uh, so keep them in your prayers. And uh, of course, the, the Kohler family, I think they've all been down with the flu, so keep them in your prayers. Uh, any other announcements? Parking, sorry. All right, uh, Scott Robertson, he's in ICU here in Harden, so keep him in your prayers. If no others, uh, let me close this out in prayer. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for allowing us to be here for this year. Um, and with that, let us not look back on the past of this year or any other years. Let us move forward with you. Um, please forgive us where we fail you. Let us abide in your word, and in your name we pray. Amen.